0: You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected.
1: Thank you for that warm Gateway welcome. And you noticed I took the old guy's route. Someday I, I hope to be able to jump up here like these young guys do, but it's too risky right now. <clears throat> also. In the first service, I spoke more than I speak in a whole week. So I've already wore out my voice. I may have to call on some holy water here to keep me going, but I think it'll be good. This morning, I woke up with some, something that happened. How many of you are familiar with tinnitus? Ringing in your ear. For 15 years, I've had constant ringing in my ears. At times, it's like a jet engine winding up with that high-pitched whine. Now, I don't want to mislead what, you're about to th- what you are th- what think might have happened because I still got tinnitus in my ear. But this morning I woke up for one hour, and it was quiet. If you've ever had tinnitus, you know how aggressive it can be. And just to have one hour of silence tells me that God is still working and there's still reason to keep praying. And it's very timely because that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And it's going to be a special day for you because we're launching, as Pastor said, a new ministry this morning. And I'll talk about that at the end of the service. It's also a special day for me and my wife, Pam. It's our 35th wedding anniversary. God deserves all the glory for that because it truly was a miraculous string of events that brought us together. But I also have to give a lot of credit for my wife for landing a catch like me and holding on for 35 years. (laughs) Personally, I think it was my smile. And if you know me, (laughs) I don't have much of a smile. So I wrote 35 points into the sermon in honor of that. (laughs) Another special day was 16 years ago. It was a surprise 40th, uh, surprise, significant year birthday party for Pam. <laughs> that morning, we were setting up with my sister-in-law, my kids, a few others, and I had prepared a PowerPoint presentation with some funny pictures and titles and everything. And it was an automatically play thing that would just scroll. I also had a 20-minute speech that I was going to give because she knew that I couldn't speak to more than a room full of people without having a nervous breakdown. And I thought the greatest gift I could give her is to give a speech. That morning, setting up, I got everything all ready, and the the screen was there, and I hit play, and it was all smoothly going. And I was so relieved, because I said to my sister-in-law, you know, Brenda, I can't do that speech. And it doesn't matter because this PowerPoint plays and everybody's going to watch it and love it. It'll be fine. And she said to me, I'm sure if you hit play and just let it play, everything will be fine. It'll be great. Good time. But if you walk away from giving that speech, you will never know what could have been. I didn't walk away. And that was the start of a decade and a half process that brought me up here. And I thank God for that. And I thank my sister-in-law for confronting me. Now, I don't tell you all this just to say, how cool is that? Because it was pretty cool and it was amazing how God worked in our lives. But I tell you that because at the end of this message, there'll be an opportunity for you to respond to the call of God in some way. And you can choose to respond to that call or to walk away and wonder what might have been. I didn't walk away. And I pray that you don't walk away either. On a scale of one to ten, where would you put your prayer life? Ten being couldn't get any better, one being gotta prime the pump. And I'll give you some examples. Tens are those people who when there's a prayer need, they instantly spout out scriptures and Bible references. They're the people in the mall that you want to avoid because they'll start laying hands on your kids and casting out demons. Pretty awkward. They wear torn jeans. Not as a fashion statement. They're just all worn out of the knees. If you go down to, like, the fives. Well, the fives, they can pray for people too, but they don't really want to do it publicly. They kind of avoid the people in the mall, too, because those people know them and say, hey, come on over here, help us cast out demons. They also have torn jeans. They ripped them running away from that scene in the mall. And then you got the ones, a little bit more serious here, probably do pray a lot or think about prayer, but they're more in awe of those people who can openly express their faith. They're sympathetic to people, but they never come to the point of compassion to really pray for them and They wore torn jeans for a fashion statement. So I feel most of us are probably somewhere between the one and the five. Mostly because we cannot grasp the fact that prayer is so simple. If you would stand with me one more time, we're going to have a simple prayer. Please stand. And if you could repeat after me these words, Dear Heavenly Father, fill this entire building with your presence. Speak to each one of our hearts today. Change our lives forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Two men were in a bar bragging about their religious knowledge and what they knew about the Bible. Because people in bars really do talk about religion. Sorry, I've been told. So the one guy says, hey, I bet you don't even know the Lord's Prayer. And the other guy says, oh, I sure do. Well, 10 bucks says you can't recite it. Okay. Give me a minute. Uh, Hmm okay there goes now I lay me down to sleep I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake I pray the Lord my soul to take the other guys just sitting there in disbelief jaw wide open I can't believe what I just heard word for word you nailed it here's your 10 bucks Now, I think most of you got the humor of that joke, but if not, read Matthew 6. That's the real Lord's Prayer. But this is one of those prayers that many of us have been taught as a child. How many of us have been taught that prayer? Okay, keep your hands up. How many of you, with your other hand, have practiced that prayer through your life? Okay, so a few of you are Pentecostal. (laughs) We'll work on that. But that prayer has so much significance. I looked a little bit in the Bible and found the references that could have created that prayer. For instance, in Psalm 4, verse 8, King David writes, In peace I will lay down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. And then I can't help but think the last part of it was from Paul. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. My mother taught me that prayer when I was very young. And every night I got down on my knees by my bed with my dad and I prayed that prayer. When I was in ninth grade, I told dad, don't ask me to go to church anymore. And he didn't. And from then on, I started to study Eastern religions. I was into the martial arts, even got into the occult. But the strange thing is, even in those dark days and nights of the occult, I still found myself laying down praying that prayer. It wasn't until I was 18 years old and I really became born again that that prayer transformed in a con- into a conversation with God. I believe millions of people have used that prayer as an anchor to some kind of faith that finally brought them to true saving knowledge and it tells me of the power of simple prayers you know we have a habit of complicating prayers when in reality prayer is so simple not necessarily easy as I've said before because it takes time commitment and selflessness but it is so simple just like this message is going to be so simple in fact I'd like you to recite those or repeat those words with me please so simple okay a little bit louder so simple okay now let's use our hands and gesture so simple so now you know the routine when you see me going like this you know it's coming So simple. You did good. Thank you. Now, I don't want to insult your intelligence with such a simple message, but I do want you to walk away with three very clear points about prayer. First one, I want you to leave with an audacious confidence and boldness because no request is too big for God. Second, I want you to walk away with an unwavering, steadfast Persistence because commitment is what gets God's attention. And third, I want you to walk away with a praiseworthy humility because all credit, honor, and glory belongs to God. But we begin by grasping the fact that prayer is so simple. Simple. So what? Prayer is not. Let's start there. Prayer is not a disingenuous string of phrases and cliches. How many of us don't have to raise your hand, but I am guilty, have sped through a dinner prayer, or at night sped through something, and at the end we thought, got that done. Although, memorized phrases do help us. To remember Scripture and to insert those magnificent moments from God's Word into our prayers. Maybe phrases and cliches are a thing we should hang on to. Okay, but not, it's not a prepared and, uh, prepared and perfected presentation. Although there are opportunities at weddings, funerals, graduations, baptisms, family gatherings, where it may be the thing to have it written down and get it right. Okay, all right, but it's certainly not a checkbox on your to-do list. We know that's a fact. You don't just say, God bless mom, God bless dad, blah, 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 blah. Give me this, give me that. Huh, got that done. Uh, But then on the other hand, a written prayer list sure is beneficial to keep us focused okay well I guess actually all of these above are legitimate forms of prayer because there's no real box encasing the parameters of how to do prayer there's no set of rules that you have to follow there's no penalty if you get it wrong but none of these above are really the true essence of prayer so what is prayer I always go back to my old friend Noah Webster who wrote the greatest dictionary of all times in 1828, 1828, two volumes about this thick. His definition of prayer is about a page long, but the first sentence captures it so well. Prayer, a solemn address to the supreme being. It's a spontaneous, ongoing conversation with God. And a conversation goes both ways. You see, if we continuously just in prayer just speak and tell Him our needs and keep on going and going and going, we're giving God a speech. He don't need a speech. He desires conversation. We speak a little, then we're silent and listen to our heart. We speak a little more, and we wait till the Holy Spirit convicts us. We speak a little more, maybe read His Word, and things begin to come back. His voice becomes clear. It is the substance of all relationship without which there is no relationship. It is the substance and power of all ministry without which there is no ministry. And yet, we use it so sparingly. can't help but think of my few short weeks in Africa working next to the people in that country of Zambia and how the word of God and praises were continuously coming out of their mouth. And even in the dire circumstances, these poorest people I've ever seen were the happiest of all, always giving God the glory and watching the miraculous happen right in front of me. There's no reason that experience cannot happen in this country in this church in your life perhaps we need to stop complicating prayer or putting it off to later or maybe believing that God really is listening but most likely we start by grasping the fact that prayer is so simple So let me give you three avenues of prayer, I've called them. Avenues of prayer. Because we could preach on prayer and go to a seminary and have a college course that lasts a lifetime and still not grasp everything there is about conversing with the Master, the Creator. But Jesus, the author himself, gives us these three tidbits of simplicity in prayer. The first one is boldness. It comes from Luke 11, verse 5, the parable of the friend at midnight. Then Jesus said, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside says, don't bother me, the door's already locked. My kids are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. But Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not Jesus explains that if your friend is going to respond favorably to your daringly fearless request, then how much more can we expect a God who loves us to do even more? Presume upon God's friendship and remember that there is no midnight where God is asleep or unreachable. It is said that in the early years when missionaries set foot on the continent of Africa, the people in those countries were quick to accept the gospel. And they immediately began personal prayer lives. Some would go out into the fields or the jungles so frequently to pray that they would wear a path in the ground. It was so obvious that when those who gave up on their prayer life stopped, some would say, Brother, grass grows on your path. Never hesitate to approach God for any reason. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. The NIV says to let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence And the Message Bible, which puts it into current language and circumstances, let us walk right up to Him and get what He is so ready to give. So point number one finishes with be audaciously confident, respectfully bold in prayer, and don't let grass grow on your path. The second point is persistence. It comes from the parable of the persistent widow. Luke 18, verse 1 is where it starts. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. There, we don't even need to read the parable because Jesus already has laid it out for us. Pray and don't give up. But he said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God and I don't care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice or she'll eventually attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. And we're going to stop short there. There's one more sentence in that verse that we're going to pick up at the end. So Jesus doesn't make a comparison here of the two. He makes a contrast between the unjust judge and God. And he's simply saying, look, the unjust judge gives in to what you need. How much more will God, who knows your needs, do it so much quicker? When I started my career about 40 years ago, I started with three other guys, my same age, my same lack of skill level. And those three guys, I noticed, would constantly pester the boss. Hey, when are you going to move me up to the next level? I thought that was irritating. I thought, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to be here and work away diligently, and hopefully he'll see my quali- qualifications. He'll move me up. One year later, all three of those guys got exactly what they were asking for. They got promoted. Guess what I got? Exactly what I asked for. Nothing. It was a year after that that I finally learned how to ask for that promotion, and I got it. My boss was not persuaded by their irritation. He wanted to see who was going to be committed enough to keep being persistent, and he moved those committed guys. I wasn't committed. God is not playing a frustrating game with you by having you continue to pray. He is teaching you to be committed to your requests. Do not grow weary of praying the same prayers. Colossians 4 says, Continue earnestly in prayer, be vigilant in it. The NIV says, Devote yourselves to prayer, be watchful and thankful. And the message says, Pray diligently, stay alert, with your eyes wide open in gratitude. Be cordially, continuous, and politely persistent in prayer. And remember, The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Point number three, humility. Later on in that chapter, Luke 18, verse 9, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you, I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance, wouldn't even look up to heaven, pounded his chest and says, God, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. In Jesus' day, the Pharisees were looked upon uh, as impressive religious figures. They were heading for per- perfection in in their religious beliefs. The tax collectors were scoundrels. They worked for the Romans, collecting taxes from their own people and probably skimming some off at the top. Jesus is not condoning that, but he is admiring this man's humility. How many of you are familiar with the old painting of the Dutch guy praying like this over a loaf of bread. Anybody familiar with that? I've got one on my home. I see him in antique stores. Okay. There's an interesting story about that because the man, when they set it up for the picture, they called this man in to do this, and he wasn't such a pious or religious man in the community. Not a bad guy, but he wasn't known for that piety. But yet that picture seems to relate quite relevantly because perhaps we have a life outside the community that's not so exemplary but yet this man humbled himself to pray for that bread just like that tax collector one of my old pastors used to say don't pray to be seen but do be seen praying in Matthew 6 5 I'll read strictly from the message here and when you come before God don't turn that into a theatrical production All these people making a regular show of their prayers, hoping for 15 minutes of fame. Do you think God is sitting in a box seat at the theater? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there simply, honestly, as you can manage. And here's the important part of this verse. The focus will shift from you to God. And you will be able to sense His grace. Be unmistakably modest and genuinely humble in prayer. So there it is. Three simple avenues to prayer boldness, persistence, humility. Written by the author himself. So what was our catchphrase again? So simple. But not necessarily easy. Because it does require time. How much time do we have to spare nowadays? None. It does take commitment, because commitment requires accountability. And it does require selflessness. Selflessness. Because prayer is not ultimately about us. It's about God. So then how do you become immersed in this? You may have heard this phrase before. I'm sure it's a popular quote. But I don't know who said it. Uh, uh, Tell me and I'll forget. Show me and I may remember, but involve me and I will learn. I studied American Sign Language for about a year. One of the people in the class also took what was called full immersion training. I read the book. They went into a room with people who did nothing but sign language. It took me a year in that class to learn most of the words and the numbers and letters and I could stumble through for a few sentences. After three months, this person was fluent because she was able to practice the art. After my class, it wasn't long. It all faded away because I had no opportunity to use it. It's the same with prayer. And it's simple, but it's not easy. Another quote that I don't know who said it, I'm pretty sure it was one of my high school teachers, nothing worthwhile ever comes easy. And the same is true with prayer. The best way to become fervent and fluent in prayer is to pray. You can visit every art gallery in the world, you can study all the masters, learn all their special techniques. But if you never pick up a paintbrush, you'll be a lousy painter. Am I right? Amber Wilder, master painting instructor, you could visit every NASCAR race on TV, visit every racetrack in the world, know all the technical names, name all the drivers, but if you never get behind the wheel, you'll be a dangerous race car driver. Am I correct, Pam Nichols? three times around the track at Charlotte Motor Speedway? I think she'd say yes. You could be a member of the most successful churches in the country. You could be on every board and every committee. You could sign up for every connect group, sign up for every class, volunteer for every outreach. But until you take the reins of a church that's struggling through trying times as we have just been through and come out through that successfully, you'll be a lousy pastor. Am I right? ben Bey somewhere in Egypt today? I think if he's watching, he would nod his head yes. You know, we can talk about prayer, we can read about prayer and listen to others pray, but at some point we have to start praying. Boldly, persistently, and with humility but perhaps most importantly approach it like a child this hung on my wall in my home where I grew up and i recently discovered it in the Cedar chest. And now it's prominently displayed where I see it every day. On the back, there's a note that says from my mom that she bought this in 1949. It would have been a couple years after my oldest brother was born. She wouldn't know that she'd have two more sons. She wouldn't know that today all of her sons, her grandchildren, and probably her great-grandchildren are following the Lord. In fact, when mom bought this, she wasn't even saved. When she taught me that prayer, she wasn't even saved. I'm sure that she also prayed that prayer. And I believe things like that childlike faith that cause us to call on the name of the Lord bring us to that point of being saved. It's things like that, that little rhyme, this little picture that speak to me of the power of simple prayers. Worship team, if you could come up. Some of you may be saying, yeah, I pray. I prayed all my life. I even think that God answers my prayers, but I'm not really sure. I mean, I see things happen, and actually, I'm kind of hoping it's God's answering my prayer, but maybe it's just fate or chance. Well, if that's you, it may be. That you've never made a life-changing decision or had a born-again experience to bring you into a right relationship with your Creator. Until you do that, you will always wonder if He's there listening. But you can know that God is listening. You can sense that God is near. You can sense and see real answers to prayer. And you can be sure that you will live forever with him. But you have to take a first very important step. And make Jesus the Lord of your life. There's a set of scriptures that help explain to those who may be unfamiliar with this. They come from Romans. It's called the Romans' Road to Salvation. It starts out with man's problem that no one is righteous, that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But yet, it also says that none are without excuse because even nature speaks to us all about the glory of God. And the consequences of all that is that the wages of sin are death. We've all fallen short. Even one sin is too much to meet God's perfection. But the solution is that God demonstrates His love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ, God in the flesh, the perfect sacrifice died for us. And that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved this morning if that's you you have an opportunity to take that first step it may not be instant glory it may not take away all your problems in life but it will give you assurance of his love and salvation if that's you this morning please raise your hand so I can see you and if you're online type in the comments that you accepted the Lord today and we'll have someone follow up with you and I don't see any hands at the moment but think about that don't think too long but think about that Because in a few moments, we're going to have people come up here for other reasons. And I want to be sure that you have the opportunity to join with those people. But for those who may have made that decision online or even in this room, but just had not acknowledged it, I'd like all of us to pray this simple prayer of salvation out loud together. You would please, please repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father thank, you for your son Jesus thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die for me on a cross. I know that I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself, but I accept His free grace and mercy. I ask Him into my heart. And I proclaim right now that Jesus is Lord of my life.
0: life.
1: Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Walk with me all the days of my life. life. And I will live with you you. in glory. Amen. Amen. And if you have prayed that prayer, tell somebody about it. Maybe somebody out there in the welcome desk or in a few moments up here when we call uh, our ministry team up. At this moment, though, I would like to call up all of our pastors who are available to come up, our elders and deacons who are here. If you would all please come up right now. And I know there's a few missing, but whoever we got, please come forward. And then all of those who are on the designated prayer team and you know who you are please come up and stand with us up here as pastor said in the announcement video we're launching a new ministry today it's called prayer partners and these are our prayer partners there are more that were here in the first service And there are certainly a few who could not make it today. But these are our prayer partners. Someday we might have a lanyard or a sticker or something. But today, if you could all folks turn around so they could see your faces, look at these people, learn their face, And going forward, when you see these people anywhere, if they're walking into church, if they're greeting at the door, if they're talking in the lobby, if they're seated in these chairs, if they're standing up here during the worship service, worshiping, even if you see them at the grocery store, don't hesitate to tap them on the shoulder and say, can you pray for me? This is their mission. And I'm one of them as well. I just want to pray a prayer of commission to these right now. Heavenly Father, only you know how grateful I am that these people have stepped forward into this ministry because I know that this is a ministry that's on the front lines of warfare. And we know what that means. It's not always vacation. Lord, I pray for your anointing. Fill them with your Holy Spirit beyond measure. Give them words to speak that will even marvel their minds that have come from you. And Lord, through these people, may they work to bring your ministry, your healing, your deliverance, your providence, by prayer to the people of our church, in our family, and in our community. In Jesus' name, may it be so. Now I want to give them all something to do. And I'm going to make a bold statement and say, you have a prayer need. In fact, you've probably got a list of prayer needs. Because we all do. I do. But specifically, you probably have a prayer need that you have given up on. Let God bring that to your mind right now. And I'm going to ask that in a moment, Or even right now be the first ones in line to come up and have these people pray for that need for those of you who have made a decision for Christ I want you to come up along with them and share that with somebody up here But let me go back to that final sentence in the parable of the persistent widow. It's kind of an odd statement after that story. But it says this, and Jesus is talking about himself here. He says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? What a disheartening statement that that could possibly be true. But in the context of the parable, I believe he's talking about a faith that believes and prays with boldness, persistence, and humility. And let me ask you this one more question that I hope sinks to your heart. When Jesus returns, will he find you with this kind of faith. Just as I said in the beginning, we will have an opportunity to respond to God's call or walk away and forever wonder what might have been. So many years ago, I didn't walk away. I recommend, neither should you. Come on and join us here as the worship team plays.
0: our needs, you can answer a prayer, Lord. And Lord, I pray for people here who are in desperate situations, who have desperate needs, or maybe even emotionally desperate, Lord, that you would meet them where they're at. That you would see them in their hurt, in their pain, in their desperation, in their longing, in their numbness, Lord. Lord, and I pray for those who maybe they aren't desperate, Lord, that that all of us would be people who are desperate for you. That prayer isn't just about asking for things, Lord, but it's about communing and being with you. So Lord, help all of us be people who are desperately pursuing you, who are desperately laying everything else aside for a greater good, for a greater cause, for a greater being because there is no one greater than you, Lord. Lord, I pray for those who are stagnant, who are lost, who are confused, who are broken, Lord. That we would be people who are desperate for you and are in a desperate pursuit of you. Knowing that you already have a hand reaching out to grab us where we're at. Lord, we thank you that you are the God that meets us where we're at but doesn't leave us there. And so we come to you in desperation, boldly, persistently, and humbly so that we can leave this place and be a light to the world, so we can leave this place and be a walking testimony of the miracles that you performed in us and through us, Lord, that you are calling and sending us your ambassadors to a lost, hurting, and broken world. So we leave commission today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. You can go in the grace of God. We look forward to seeing you tonight at Shoreline Prayer and Worship.